Dear fellow redeemed in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. That portion of God's word which serves as the basis for this evening's sermon, the Holy Spirit has caused to be recorded in all of the lessons, really all of the images you can think of from Holy Scripture on this topic of the Good Shepherd. It's an inexhaustible image. It's probably the most popular of all of biblical images. Christ the Good Shepherd and we his sheep. And Ezekiel here gives us an image, a beautiful image, of the church. The sheep, of course, are the church. It's a view of this assembly gathered right here today. We are the church. Sheep grazing on the mountain of the Lord. Having been rescued from all the places where they had been scattered, we desire to be where we are. We prefer it. We are like those sheep on the mountain in the verdant pastures, and we love it. We want it. We desire it. St. Peter says in today's epistle, That Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. That is to say, we don't want those sins anymore. We're dead to them. St. Paul expands on this truth. He says, we have been buried with Christ by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We're dead to sin. We're alive to every good thing, to good works, to everything that is good, that comes from God, that is godly. We want it. We have new spiritual impulses. We are not like we used to be, having been converted and brought to this mountain. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. We want the spiritual nourishment of the gospel that we hear this evening. We gladly and diligently hear the shepherd's voice and seek to walk in all of his ways, reflecting the gradual of last Sunday, the quasi-motogenity, as newborn babes, we desire the sincere milk of the word so that we may grow thereby. We have tasted that the Lord is gracious. In this holy place, on this holy mountain, we seek God. As we confess in Psalm 42, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And we are not alone here. People from all over the world have come to this spiritual assembly of saints. Isaiah declares that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up the hills and all of the nations will flow to it. You see the imagery. Have you noted the verbs and the subject of the verbs? We desire, nations flow. But that is not how we got here. And that is not exactly the picture we gain from today's readings. Yes, this is the vision where we are enjoying the verdant pastures, but we have not come to this mountain. We've not come to these verdant pastures 
We have not come to this spiritual place because we were seeking it or because we wanted it in any way. Ezekiel is clear who the one was, whose idea it was to get these sheep on his mountain. Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered. It was not our idea. When God looked down from heaven and beheld our wretched state, he saw that the imagination of the hearts of men were only evil continuously. For as scripture repeats in three places, none is righteous, no, not one, one, no one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. All have gone astray. No one seeks God. That is primarily what we should know when we are presented with the image of the sheep. It is a confession of sin. Sinners do not seek God. God seeks sinners by his pure grace. And when Christ our shepherd finds us, we do not meet him halfway. We don't agree on a meeting point. He finds us in our natural condition, running away, scattering, erring in every direction. We are by nature slaves to sin and crave nothing but evil. That is a true confession of sin. It's not, I want to do better. Oh, I would like to do, I, would, I, I seek God, but I'm having a hard time doing it. No, it is, I am by nature sinful and unclean. I am a slave to sin. That is a confession of sin. We desire to go where God is not, as if there were such a place. We hide and crawl in dark holes. As many evil ways as there are to go, each has gone his own way, so there is no excuse, and there are no exceptions. There is no difference. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's where the church was before the shepherd called her, scattered in every direction, even to the ends of the earth. When we confess that the Lord is our shepherd and, that we, and we are his sheep, we are confessing our sins. But it is not enough to confess our sins. We must finish Isaiah's sentence where he adds, And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not saints. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is what Jesus says. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus doesn't die for his friends. He doesn't die for the saints. He doesn't die for holy people. He doesn't die for those who follow him. He doesn't die for souls panting for flowing streams and thirsting for the living God. It was precisely when we were still weak at the right time that Christ died for the ungodly. He has not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This means 
that Jesus, when he came seeking us, he found us guilty in the very act. He found us captive to all kinds of sins of thought, word, and deed that had formed a, a wide gulf and a treacherous and dangerous mountain between the shepherd and the sheep. As far and wide as we had wandered in sins of rebelliousness, vengefulness, murderous thoughts, lust, deception, envy, and more. As far as we have wandered, Christ sought us there, and he found us there. We didn't first fix ourselves and straighten up our lives, kick the habit, as it were. He saw it all just the way it was, and he, in his infinite mercy, had compassion on us. And then he did what was necessary to close this divide and reconcile us to God. Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Literally, he says that he puts his life there. He sets his life on the altar of the high priest. And he makes atonement for the sins of the world. That was the last offering and the one and only offering once and for all time to atone for the sins of the world. St. Peter says, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. The shepherd became a sacrificial lamb. St. Paul expands, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see here we have a blessed exchange. Everything that is good that comes from God, he gives to us. And Christ then takes everything that is evil and wrong, he takes to himself. The shepherd's life for erring sheep, the son's perfect obedience for our disobedience, Jesus' righteousness for our unrighteousness, our Lord's passion and blood for our forgiveness, life, and salvation. His resurrection for our eternal life. Everything he gained, he gives to us. He had nothing to gain. He's the eternal son of God. What does he have to gain? Nothing. He came in whatever he earned with his perfect obedience, his life, which he then offered to God in our place, his death, which he offered and pitted against God's wrath. All of that, all of that was done for us to bring us home to this holy place. And how much more shall we live since Christ our Lord has risen? There's a saying, Jesus prayed Psalm 22 in order that we might pray Psalm 23. I don't know if you've ever heard that. It's kind of a neat little phrase. Jesus cries out on the, from the cross on Good Friday, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? in order that his church might sing on Easter Sunday and throughout the Easter season, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus was indeed forsaken on the cross in order that having been raised from the dead, we will never be forsaken. He who promises is faithful, and he says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
Our shepherd, who was crucified, has taken his staff out of the earth from where it was buried. He holds it in his hands today, and today our invincible Lord Jesus leads us to the still waters of our baptism. He guides us by his word to green pastures. He has prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies, including our closest enemy, our sinful flesh. Right here, he feeds us with the very body and blood that he laid on the altar of the cross and with which he earned our salvation and eternal peace. And he has prepared the same table for others, including many who have yet to taste it. And that is why he says that, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. They're in the same condition as we are. Going astray. Now I hear about folks saying, with the best intentions, but I hear it all the time, that, um, that people out in the mission field are somehow open to the gospel. Oh, how neat it is that they're open to the gospel. But that's not true. Nobody's open to the gospel, at least not by nature. Everybody is following the depraved desires of his own heart. Everybody is desiring to satisfy the gods that they themselves have made. And there's no difference. There's no difference between us and them. All are by nature closed to the gospel. And that is why the voice of the shepherd must go out. Because the voice of the shepherd opens ears. The message of forgiveness and reconciliation for the sake of the shepherd who laid his life down for his sheep, this message persuades the wandering heart. It soothes the ailing conscience and produces a real and living trust in God's mercy. This happens. It happens all the time. I've seen it. You've seen it. Nothing brings us greater joy than to see people moved, claimed by the shepherd, claimed by Christ. It happens when they hear. But for that, somebody must preach it to them. We know these words from St. Paul. We practically know them by heart, don't we? From Romans chapter 10. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? It's such simple logic. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Our desire for spiritual nourishment, our desire for the gospel, right here in this spiritual place, these new impulses that the Holy Spirit has poured into our heart through the power of the gospel, making us press towards God in childlike trust and love, these same desires make us desire the salvation for everybody, all the lost. As sincerely as we desire the word of truth that is preached to sinners, we cherish it for just that reason. The gospel is for sinners. It's for them. It's for the Gentiles. 
Therefore, we desire it for sinners, for this sinner, and for all sinners. And that is why we support missions. We cannot but support missions and pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest so that there will be one flock under one shepherd. God grant it even as he has promised it. Let us pray. Oh, may we all hear when our shepherd doth call in accents persuasive and tender that while there is time we make haste one and all and find him our mighty defender. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand and sing together the offertory and the song of the argument.